That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Okay, Aaron. Why do I have this feeling of deja vu? Uh, because we've done this again, but that's completely fine. Um, you know, this time it'll be better, I swear. That's so, right. Um, we had technical difficulties, listeners, and this is the second time, so we're going to be working even harder to make it sound fresh, and we'll laugh at each other's jokes a little bit too quickly this time. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Aaron, you're looking good, even uh, for the second time around, so hair's still hey. in place. Um, you... Um, Look very clerical, unlike me today. So uh, I know you look. You, you're wearing what is that? An Ed Hardy graphic T-shirt? Just kidding, <laughs> no. folks. He's not wearing that. He would never, never. Django jeans. So, but uh, yeah. I'm wearing a collar. We had Eucharist today. We had we have outdoor services on Wednesdays, and so I was the celebrant, the presider, and the preacher today. So that's why amazing. I had to look official. Well, uh, so yeah, I, I am. I am though glad to be here and. I am just wondering if you are as stressed as I am this time of year, I think, fall, mm-hmm. and maybe some preachers who are listening. I think everybody's stressed this time of year, especially with the added stress of stewardship. So, uh, preachers, we are in the same boat as you are, trying to figure out how to raise money. And um, if you are out there listening, I uh, want to encourage you to, a layperson, to support your church and to pray for your pastor during this time, because... Um, uh, this is going to be an interesting uh, year, so we'll see how it goes. So, yep, we uncharted are... territory. Always hoping that we can uh, keep uh, keep uh, you know keep going mm, what we're doing, but knowing sure. that God will provide for. Uh, uh, for I'm already uh, I'm already looking uh, at a variety of ramens to try and thrill my kids with. You know, uh, <laughs> super chili and uh, and uh, shrimp and chicken at the same time. You know, we'll mix it all up. Mm. So, but uh, uh, that's where this collect really comes into play in a powerful way. Almighty and everlasting God, you're always more ready to hear than we to pray and give more than we either desire or deserve. And uh, Mm. right now, preacher, remember, God's there to hear you pray. And uh, he may not come through in the way you want it, but he always comes through. So, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And if in lay people, if you're listening and you if you know what your pledge is going to be for next year, don't wait till the very last week to turn in that pledge card. Yeah. Let your preacher get some sleep. Yeah, and uh, maybe just, you know, add add 5%. So anyway, you know, <laughs> there's lots of places you can give, but remember the local church and then Mockingbird Ministries. So anyway, we have um, some really amazing readings on uh, deck. Uh, we have Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 4, 7 through 9, and 12 through 20. We have um, Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 4 through 14. And uh, where, and then finally we come to Matthew chapter twenty-one verses thirty-three through forty-six. I missed an amazing joke, but uh, that's all right. We'll keep moving on. We come to Exodus. What's going on here, Aaron? <laughs> 
Well, we got the Diez Commandments. Mm. The, ten, the Ten Commandments made popular. Uh, well, there was, you know, a hip-hop song that had some commandments really? in it. And then Lin-Manuel oh. borrowed it for Hamilton. And then, uh, the oh, that's good. Commandments. Yeah, Henry sings that every day. And then Charlton yeah. Heston, he placed them on every yes. courthouse. If you notice, that's that, right. it's not our Christian heritage that got them on every courthouse. It was the uh, Loyal Order of Eagles. Just take a look. And uh, it was to help promote Charlton Heston's movie, The Ten Commandments. So maybe you want to fight over Jacob that a little Smith, less. A deep well of arcane mm-hmm. knowledge and conspiracy theories. <laughs> but this one is true. <laughs> Anyways, is true. We, do have the, we do have The Ten Commandments. And uh, this is one of those passages that is like probably one of the least, well, most popular and well-known because it's all over the place. But people hear it and like, what is there for me? Like, I know all this stuff. Like, a lot of people say, well, I keep the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and I'm doing it. (laughs) Yeah. But they don't really know what it is. So we have to begin, let's begin at the beginning. So it begins with uh, God spaking these words. And he says, not, he doesn't begin with a rule. He begins with relationship. He says, I am the Lord your God. I am. I am that God. Mm-hmm. I'm already that God. Oh, I don't believe you don't it. Make me. I don't believe it. Yeah. it. Doesn't matter. I'm God, and I'm the Lord, your right. God. <laughs> I thought you were telling me that you don't believe me. Jay. No, no. I just love when people are like, "Well, I don't believe in God." And that's fine. I am the Lord, your God, creature. I'm still your God. Get, I'm, I'm God. Getting, you, getting, yeah, get in line, creature. So anyway, yep, you can feel however you <laughs> want to feel about it. Uh, it's. It reminds me of that. There's a conversation in The Stand by Stephen King uh-huh. where this young hotshot, the hero of the novel. Uh, is an atheist, and he tells this old lady who basically is the voice of God, like, I don't really believe in God. And she's like, that's all right, honey. He believes in you. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So uh, here he begins with this relationship and reminds them that he is the God who has brought them out of Egypt already. Before they deserved it, they didn't want it. Mm -hmm. They they didn't merit it by some great... uh, uh, you know qualifications they had he's already done it and so that's what's important the way god works is the same then as it is today there's not some old testament god and some new testament right. god you have here a god who has delivered his people before they've done anything to deserve it <clears throat> and in the context of the relationship is going to now lay out these things that we call the ten commandments but they didn't have to earn their standing with him in order to get him to save them he has already saved them already brought them out of bondage already brought them out of egypt and that's important to remember uh, as before we begin. Yeah, and uh, that statement, I am the Lord your God, is critical into understanding what this is actually all about. Um, you know, the problem is, is that we don't believe that God is our God, and uh, and so therefore we approach the um, we approach the Ten Commandments as a way to make Him our God. We begin to mm-hmm. like immediately kind of. Um, subconsciously begin to play the role of God. And so if I just climb up, then I can make God my God. And if that's the mm. case, but uh, you need to understand that um, he's, he is God for in order to understand what this is actually all about. He's giving this not as a ladder to climb, but as a revelation of who he is in regards to his holiness and perfection and order and who you are um, apart from him in regards to your chaos and complete disobedience and unbelief. I feel very judged right now, Jake. <laughs> uh, well, that's what the law does. So it that's is right. A, so it's a ministry in- of death. So that's right. <laughs> Hashtag St. Paul. Yeah, not so Jake. So if if um, the, and I think what you said is is uh, really insightful because if you if you make this into a list of rules or a ladder to climb. That puts you back in the center, mm-hmm. trying to get it done, 
and makes God, in a sense, your servant. That's right. So if I do these things, then God will have to. He owes me something. Me. He owes me something. And so if you do that, if you make this a ladder to climb, you have now broken the first commandment, mm-hmm. which says, no other gods but me, yeah. no idols. And you've made yourself an idol because you've put yourself in the center. And that's what's so important, I think, to communicate to people is that they think idolatry is something that died with the Babylonians and the Egyptians and that whole thing back then. And we don't, we don't make big statues and bow down to them. It's like, well, actually you do. Sometimes, realistically, people still do this. Absolutely. They take physical objects and impart to them some sort of divine power, and they think that they will reward them if they do the right words and spells and stuff. But also, metaphorically, or, you know, we can make idols that don't look like deities, but they're certainly things that people worship. Sports stadiums, uh, checkbooks, uh, your 401k, uh, the way your social media profile looks, like curating your image publicly, um, all these things that you pour yourself into in order to get the life that you want, that's how an idol works. Mm. You used to go to the temple where there was an idol and you would offer something before it and you'd pay money to the priest and you would hope you would get what you were supposed to, yeah. like, you know, the girl would like you or the business would succeed or the military campaign would win or whatever the case may be. And there are still lots of things that still work that way. That is how the fundamental position of the human heart. What did our uh, professor Leander Harding have to say about idols? Well, the Reverend Doctor, the very Reverend Doctor Leander Harding, uh, who um, our old colleague and friend R.J. Heyman quoted on the Mockingcast last week, um, Leander would talk very persuasively and, and powerfully about the reality of ongoing kind of idolatry. And he always said, always said, an idol always wants more. It, it's never enough. Mm. Whatever you give to it will never be enough. And actually, he also said it will always ultimately demand mm. blood. Like, that's, that's kind of right. the deal. But, um, Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Whatever idol that you serve will always crush you. There was a story in, I think, New York Magazine, maybe two years ago, mm. about a young woman who came to New York as a model and became a big Instagram influencer. And she just spent her whole life online, started a blog when she was like 11 or 12, and that morphed into social media. And she was at the Met Gala and uh, found herself in the bathroom having a panic attack because she was so undone by the constant pressure of the idol she had made, mm. this sort of online Instagram. Uh, there's a whole Netflix profile. show about that on social media and, and influencers. Yeah. And, you know, but I think it's important, though, when you see this, when you begin with, I am the Lord, your God. So you're not God. He is now the law can begin to do its work and uh, on you, and it's never pretty. Uh, the law is there to kill, um, 100%. It is, it is there to reveal who you are. And so this is, you know, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, so that, um, so that basically to shut all of mankind up that is busy justifying itself, it is, you know, you shall have no other gods but me. Boom, the law reveals you have other gods because immediately you've thought about how you can climb the ladder up to him. You know what I mean? You shall not have any idols. You shall not, um, you know, use the Lord's name in vain. Well, I don't, yes, you do. Boom, you know what I mean? Uh, You should keep the Sabbath day holy. Well, you know, you're a workaholic. It just begins to reveal all of these things. And, um, And God is really, in his mercy, veiled in this ministry, in this first word that he speaks 
Uh, there's when it when the law is used and applied properly, it's it's designed to crush. As Saint Augustine said, God demands from us what we cannot do, so that we might know what to seek from Him. The problem is today is that the church is busy uh, using the law in the wrong way. You know, um, whether it's in the friendly self-help kind of. Hey, church, let's all get it together, you know, and we're going to do this together. We're going to be better. We're not going to be idolaters together. And uh, or whether it's, you know, we need you 10 steps to a better you, 10 steps to like justice. You know what I mean? I mean, it's all of this. And I mean, I say that that very lightly, but um, the ministry of the law is a ministry of death as St. Paul. And the point is, is that this takes place 50 days after the um, crossing of the Red Sea. This is really the first Pentecost. And we see when you read below, all the people witness the thunder and the lightning, the sound and the trumpet, the mountain smoking. These are all images when you read the book of Acts that Luke is borrowing. But they were afraid and they trembled, as opposed to in the book of Acts where they hear the mighty deeds of God proclaimed in their own language. Um, you know, that is how Jesus fulfills the law on our behalf demonstrates once and for all that he is our God. But this is a very powerful thing because ultimately the law just convicts. I don't add up. I feel judged. All of this. And um, it empties churches when this is the only ministry or it creates a band of self-righteous a-holes. And uh, this is what we don't want. And so the law on its own cannot stand. And so what you need to do if you preach this passage is you need to draw people to the gospel, the second word that God speaks. And that is that all has been fulfilled for you. All has been done by Jesus Christ. Uh, because if you think you're going to do it, well, then let's move on to the next reading. Um, Philippians. Oh, wait, let oh, me say one more thing. Now we've heard it. I'm done. We're moving on. No, I'm just kidding. What? Okay. Go ahead. What's all up? Right. Thank you, sir. Uh, I just want the to note that note, the last commandment, the, note, so. the, the last commandment is you could you let me have covet. the last word. No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do see, it, Jake. See how the law is working in this dynamic, everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> we both think we're gods. No, I think I just want to say that sometimes the Ten Commandments are seen as relatively easy to keep. No. You know, you shall not murder. And we've already talked about how the no idolatry thing sort of makes it impossible from the get-go. Jesus, Jesus elevates it to our feelings, our very emotions. Je yeah, Je Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not commit murder. But I say to you, if you say in your heart, fool, you've already done it. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. And so sometimes people think Jesus is the one that invents this idea of taking it from just actions to actually the intention. And uh, But you can see even the, the genesis, the seed of that idea in the Ten Commandments themselves, when the last one is, you shall not covet. Yeah. It's already said, don't steal your neighbor's stuff. But now it actually says, don't want your neighbor's mm -hmm. stuff. And is very specific about all the different things you could want. Um, and so don't don't people think that this doesn't apply to you because slavery has been outlawed and nobody has an ox or a donkey. That's right. Um, and I, this, this very much gets at what's going on in the human heart. Yeah, and I love how Jesus kind of ends that when he's teaching on the law here. And he says, he says, lest your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the scribes, you shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so what, is, what does Jesus mean when he says that? Is he saying like, well, try harder, keep doing it? No. Um, this brings us to our reading today, just in case you think you're doing it. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. You know, circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew born of the Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, like I've got it. 
Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss. That is the point, lest your righteousness exceeds that of the food. The point is, is not to try harder, but the point is um, that you need a righteousness apart from yourself before the law. That's the second word, the gospel. You know what I mean? Mm. You've been given a righteousness apart from yourself, which is Jesus fully for you. Yep. And also, this is also in verse eight here. This is the famous verse where Paul swears a little bit. He's kind of a... A vulgar word I know. for rubbish is how it's translated. <laughs> also, dung. It's even the, worse uh, than that. Scubula. Yeah, it's the poop word. And um, I think this is this is the strongest possible language for a Pharisee to say that all his resume, his entire pedigree, is just a pile of steaming poo. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you. Um, you think about how people would get mad at Jesus and saying, but we have Abraham as our father. And this is Paul saying, look, I used to do the same thing. And not only that, I look at all the other incredible merit badges that I earned. And he says, it's it's all loss. And it's just, it's a staggering thing um, for somebody to say, I climbed the whole ladder as high as it could possibly go. And it was all <laughs> nothing. And the reason he's having to say this is because in the early Christian church, there were lots of people going around saying, no, no, Paul's a little bit carried away. He's getting too on board with his grace stuff. You still have to do some things. There's still a few things you have to do in this law. And um, and Paul is saying, look, if you want to have a battle of who's better under the law, none of y'all can beat me. But let me just tell you, it's nothing. Because he said, he realizes that you can either have the law or you can have Christ. Yeah. You can't really have both. Um, and because to have a righteousness of his own that comes from the law, all he's got is himself. But he wants to have this alien righteousness, this righteousness that comes from the outside. As he says, it comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God, not from yourself. Yeah, you can't have both. Is, yeah. Because one, right. one does not produce righteousness. One continues to say, nope, nope, nope. But this is why every um, why everything is a yes in Christ Jesus, because in yes in Jesus you have a righteousness apart from the law, and uh, that yeah. is completely and totally given to you. But it can't um, either either Jesus is all or he is nothing, and uh, you know. And the truth is, is going back to that, like as James says, if you break one of the commands, you're guilty of breaking them all. So we, uh, it's all done. It's a house of cards apart from Jesus. Now, some people will say, well, but we still have to do something, right? I mean, Paul ends this by saying, uh-huh. like, I press on toward the goal, um, forgetting what lies behind and straightening. So I, I do have to have daily quiet times and only listen to Michael W. Smith, right? <laughs> and again, you what amazingly about this passage is he says in verse 12, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I am the Lord your God. It exactly. I it's the same different words saying the same thing. I have already called you my own. You are mine. I have redeemed you. I have atoned for your sins. I have brought you from death into life. And that's done. And you know, and I I love that um because he's like, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, because in this age, we haven't. And that really begins to, to that's the definition of Christian maturity. You know, people talk mm-hmm. about, is that like, I haven't, I'm still a massive failure, but I have Jesus all the more. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, it's not like, huh, I'm not, I'm no longer an idolater, Aaron. I proved you wrong. It's like, no, dude, I'm like, dude, it's getting worse, maybe, but I've got <laughs> Jesus. And so that's, yeah. uh, that's and, it. And you're just as forgiven and loved today as you were on the day of your baptism. He has made you his own. And it's actually because of that freedom and that rock solid, unshakable foundation of his love that we can forget what lies behind, forget our sins of the past, forget the ways we failed in the past, forget our baggage, and we can move forward because we know that even though we will stumble and fall, uh, we will struggle with motivation, we will struggle with doubt, we will struggle with all the things that it's about being human, temptation and all of it, um, but we can move forward because we know we will ha- always have a gracious God who's already already cleared everything away for us. Amen. That's good. And so, and then we come to... Um... Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 40, 40, 46. And so, uh, uh, and this is Jesus telling another parable. Uh, I mean, essentially kind of the concept of the law and uh, uh, yep. and what the law does in us and um, it what it eventually leads to, and that is the killing of the Son of Man. <laughs> yep. So he basically says, this is a story about a landowner. He builds a vineyard and Which he Which represents away. Israel. That's right. And he he says, and it's time for the harvest. So he keeps sending servants back to collect the harvest or the gains from the harvest. And each time he sends a servant, the ones who stayed on the land kill that servant. Uh, and they do it time and time again. And I guess they don't want to give away the money that they're getting uh, from this harvest. And then he says, finally, in a very unwise decision, I'll send my son. They'll listen to him. And um, But they, they they've already showed him who he who they are which is to say murderers who don't want him involved in their lives and so they kill the son and basically it's saying that he's that pharisees are the vineyard uh runners god is the vineyard owner and jesus is the son and god has now sent messenger after messenger prophet after prophet to his people they've killed them not listened to them and now he's sending his son and the same thing's going to happen so it shows the attitude of the heart if you want to keep the law you don't want God messing up your business because God's going to come in with a message of grace and forgiveness and love. And if you're a lawkeeper, no thank you. Like, I want to get rewarded for my righteousness. I want to get all the merit badges on my sash that I can. Don't tell me you're just giving sashes away. They're already filled up with merit badges. That's ridiculous. Then I'm not as important as I like to think I am. Yeah, I mean, Jesus is telling this parable to uh, the Pharisees here. And, uh, and you know, this is kind of like completely in line with the same way, you know— um, if you want to like reach this into the Old Testament, um, Samuel speaking to David in the sense, you know, and so he is kind of like, um, you know, uh, it is a it's a parable that's exposing who they actually are, and the problem with the Pharisees is the same problem with all of us. We think that the law and relating to God is all about righteous building, you know what I mean, and like standing all the more on our two feet. And so every time, and this is the message of the prophets, this is the message of Jesus, like you need to be forgiven, repent and believe the gospel. And so, but if you are building up treasures in heaven, if you are building up like your like righteous cred, well, that's an offensive, offensive message. And, you know, and the point is, is like Bo Geertz, that great theologian, the Swedish Bishop of Gothenburg said, the point of the law for Israel was is that they might lead the world in repentance. But if you think it's all about righteous building, well, everybody that comes your way, you're going to kill them. 
And just like yeah. Samuel said to David, you are the man. Jesus like hits them with the zinger. Have you never read the scriptures? You know, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And this was the Lord's doing and it's amazing in there in his in our eyes. The point being is is that the very the very like God has brought this on one level. God is responsible for this to expose what you actually are. And uh, mm. that is lawbreakers. Uh, you are exposed. You actually, the very thing that's come to save you, you're such an idolater that it will, you know, you'll rather like allow it to just crush you to death. But this is beautiful in God's eyes. So I got a, I got a modern day parable because again, this is, and I, this is going to get a little spicy and uh, it's, this Jake is spicy. And Jake doesn't know what I'm going to say. Oh, God. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of our last 10 listeners. Okay. Uh, but I think, <laughs> you know, we often have, um, you know, Bible stories sound like Bible stories. They sound far away. And Jesus's parables were very immediate and real to the people who listened to them. They knew, they had vineyards. They knew what it was like to own a vineyard. They worked on a vineyard. They resented a boss that also traveled and uh, left them to work on the vineyard, all that sort of stuff. So, and I want to get at an example I think from today that has some of the same dynamic. And this is not a political statement, but I just want to lay it out there because I see the kind of outrage about this issue that I'm going to discuss that the Pharisees would have felt about Jesus's ministry, and that is uh, the the pejorative term that is used to describe people that uh, receive government assistance: welfare queens. Mm -hmm. So Jake is like licking his chops. What's the moment going to say? <laughs> so, you know, we have a system in this country where people uh, at a certain income level get government assistance. And there's always been a group of folks who resent the fact that that system exists. And they always will point out people who abuse that system, uh, uh, allegedly, who take the benefits. And the anger and outrage is they're taking my tax dollars and giving it to people who don't deserve it. That is unacceptable, and I am outraged at that fact. And um, what that's the same kind of feeling that the Pharisees had about Jesus giving healings and mercy and love and grace to people who were immoral and didn't play by the right religious rules. So regardless of what you think about welfare and food stamps and government assistance, that outrage of people taking something they don't deserve when you've been following the rules is the same dynamic that is existing in this in Jesus's time. And I think what he's trying to say in this parable is that um, you think you're better than than other people, but what he always kind of wants everybody to see is we're we're all abusing the welfare system in a sense like we we're all taking things we don't deserve. Everything we already have is a gift. Every you, you think you've worked hard for what you've gotten? No, it's all grace. You are just as much of a sinner, just as much of a hypocrite, just as, you know, anything you have that makes you feel better than other people, that has been given to you as well. You have no legs to stand on, and it's all grace. <laughs> that is absolutely right. I mean, and that is a, that's a powerful, powerful illustration. I mean, um, I, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, I, the welfare queen is a perfect example, but the fact is, is that, you know, that's one of the great lies in America is that somehow we've all, like a handful of us have actually done it on our own. And uh, that is total BS. Um, we are all the beneficiaries, uh, most of us, of someone else. 
You know what I mean? A lot of our friends who live off of the legacy of their parents or, you know, something like that. We are all the beneficiaries of something. We're all the beneficiaries of grace. And when you begin to see yourself as um, somehow deserving or you've done it the old fashioned way, you've earned it. Well, um, I am the Lord, your God. (laughs) Just Mm. remember that. Um, That is a, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and the truth is, is that to really, I think it's in those moments that we can pull ourselves back or hope that the Holy Spirit pulls ourselves back and can hear God speaking to us in those places, the stone that the builders rejected. You know what I mean? Uh, God like Mm. speaking, hey, a legacy baby, or hey, you know, well, for whatever it is, but God speaking in those places that we actually, to hear his voice of condemnation in those places where we think we've done it on our own, and to hear those places of his grace and mercy where we're feeling helpless and out of control. And that's the proper use of the law and the gospel and the pastoral dynamic. That's right. So whether you're preaching on Exodus and the Ten Commandments, Philippians and Paul's poopy resume, or on Matthew and the way um, people who are law lovers tend to reject the message of grace, and yet the message is still extended to them over and over and over again. Remember, the vineyard owner sent servant after servant and finally his son. God will go to great lengths to rescue hypocrites and legalists and... um, this is this is what God is like. And uh, inheritance, welfare, legacy, we're all being carried through this life. <laughs> and so Amen. you know, um, and uh, and now more than ever, uh, we need to we need to extend grace, um, the grace that um, God has given and shown all of us in His Son Jesus. So uh, happy preaching, everyone. Remember, distinguish the law and the gospel. Don't mix them up. Till next week. Somebody's looking. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.